<laughs> Amen. Tap person next year say, come on, it's going to be a good night. It's going to be a good time. Open your Bible to Daniel chapter 6. And uh, what we've been, I know some of you may have been here this morning, but I'm just going to uh, go back over what we've been talking about over the last few weeks because I, even if there's one person here tonight and you haven't been here for the last few weeks, it is worth it for you. Amen? It's worth it for you. And uh, so we've been talking about our cultural values here at Life Church, things that we want to say that this is who we are because we know that, either, that, that culture is either something that you define within yourself or you, 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 it's defined for you by people that are around you. And so we want to make sure that the people on the outside are you know, people that maybe aren't from Life Church aren't telling us how to how to be, how to act, and how to conduct ourselves. But we're saying this is who we are. This is who we are as a church, and we're not going to apologize that at all. The first thing that we're uh, making a we, we have a, as a cultural value is Jesus is our pursuit. And it's so important for for Jesus to be your pursuit. I mean, sometimes we can think of Christianity as a one-time decision, a one-time moment, and you put up your hand or you say the prayer. You're like, fantastic, that's it, uh, I'm done. Got my ticket to heaven, ready to ride. Staircase to heaven, what's that song called? Stairway to heaven? No, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I, got, I got my ticket to get on my way to heaven. I'm good for the rest of my life. But we need to know that it's not a one-time decision. It's a daily decision. It's a, it's a daily progress. It's a daily pursuit that we're in. When we commit ourselves, ourselves to Jesus, we're not saying, yes, Jesus, I, I want you. We're saying, Jesus, every day, I want to become more and more like you. And we're intentional about that individually and also collectively as a church. And we, that's why we start with worship. That's why we start. We don't, we don't start just by receiving. We start, we start everything that we do by giving back to Him first. Secondly, people are our purpose. And so if you're here for the first time, you've got to know the reason why we do this is for you. We, we, churches, churches for you. We, we, we put out these seats and we set this all up so that you can find a home, so that you can find Jesus for yourself. Thirdly, generosity is our privilege. It's not a have to, it's a get to. We don't have to do any of this. The team tonight, Stitch playing the bass, he didn't have to do what he had to do tonight. He wasn't told he wasn't under contract or anything like that. But I know Stitch's heart for playing bass at a service like that, a service like this, is that he gets to. What, what an awesome opportunity it is to be able to lead people into worship. For me tonight, I don't have to. Well, actually, I kind of do. Uh, <laughs> but really, I don't have to speak tonight. I could have told the team, hey, we're not having a service this weekend. And I don't know if I could do that either. But uh, I could probably pull some strings. And, uh, and uh, well, we, don't, we, don't, we don't have to turn up. We don't have to be here. But, but I, my heart for being here right now is that I get to do this. It's not a burden. It's not something that is on, is on my shoulders. I know that God has graced us to be here. God has graced us with different talents and abilities. And so if He's graced you for it, He'll take you all the way. It's a privilege to do what we um, get to do. And then what we spoke about last week is the fact that passion is our response. We care about what we're part of. We care about the cause of Christ. Right? It may be for you, passion may come out as a, as a big shout. It might come uh, from you standing on your chair, which I don't know if you're allowed to stand on these chairs. Simon, are we allowed to stand on these chairs? No. <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> so, so if you don't tell Simon about you know, what we were doing. Uh, might come out for you. As a, as a big standing and, 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 and hollering and, and everything like that. Or it might come out of a, just a sense of, mm, yes, 
Because passion is about personality. Passion is about something that resides deep within you. And we're a passionate people. We're a passionate church. However, however you want to express that passion, you go for gold. Just don't stand on the chairs. All right? So we're reading tonight out of Daniel chapter 6, 1 to 11. And also put your thumb in Isaiah chapter 16. This is what it says in Daniel. It pleased Darius to point 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. So essentially there were 120 of these guys that were kind of administrators or what we could say like governors that kind of controlled different parts of the kingdom. And then over them you had three guys that were kind of like the, the vice presidents, the vice prime ministers over those 120 guys, one of whom was Daniel. So Daniel was one of the three. The satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set over that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. In the New King James it says, "Then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him." Verse 4 at this the administrators and satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it is something to do with the law of God. So these administrators and satraps went as a group to the king and said, may king, oh, I lost my keyboard. Dang, I was really feeling that. May King Darius live forever. The royal administrators, prefects, satraps, advisors, and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or human being during the next 30 days, except to you, your majesty, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now your majesty issued the decree. These are the guys that are coming to King Darius. Now your majesty issued the decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. So King Darius put the decree in writing. Look at what Daniel does. Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, that nobody else was allowed to worship or pray to any man or God, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day he got out down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. In verse 11, then these men, went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. And Isaiah 60, 1 to 3 says this, Arise, shine. Turn to the person next to you and say, Arise. Arise. Turn to the person on the other side and say, Shine. Arise. Arise, shine, for the light has come and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth and thick darkness is over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you and His glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. If you're taking notes tonight, the fifth cultural value that we have here at Life Church is simply this. Excellence is our commitment. Excellence is our commitment. Excellence is our commitment. Excellence is our commitment. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. You're a good God. We need you. We love you. Amen. Amen. Someone say amen. Amen. Turn person next to you and say, Zion needs a drink. That was convenient because I was able to get a drink. I really do believe that it is the calling of the church to arise and shine. That it is the calling of 
the people of the church to not just be people that are hidden away, people that are irrelevant when it comes to our spiritual fervor, when what we've got, what we've got within us. When it comes to the church in itself, it's not meant to be just something that we attend on a Sunday, and that's fantastic. The church isn't just meant to be something that kind of happens way over there, and that's fantastic, and good on you for doing that, and it kind of turns into another club that people attend. But I know for sure that the Bible says time and time again, not just as a church as in when we meet together, but individually, that we are called to, as people, to arise and shine. That there is no other way to live this life. That there is no other way that you can outwork what God has put within you. Because when you accept Jesus into your life, something must shift. There is something that needs to shift in our lives when we accept Jesus into our lives. Because when we receive Jesus, other things need to go. And when we receive Jesus and, and what he has to offer us, I, I'm sorry if you kind of, kind of want to just uh, kind of get into a cupboard and hide there for the rest of your life. But there is something about when somebody receives Jesus, and I'm not talking about just receiving Jesus and, uh, in, in, a, in, a, in a half-hearted way, but wholeheartedly. When someone receives Jesus, there is something different that happens. There is something that shifts in a person. And if you have received Jesus recently or maybe in the past year, I know probably that you have had conversations with people that you know, and maybe it's gone along the lines of what is different about you. Because when you receive Jesus into your life, something shifts within you. This is what it says in Matthew 5, 14. And well, it tells the, the people of the church that you are a light on the hill. That, that you're not meant to be a, a city that is just in the valley, a city that is hidden away and has no relevance at all and nobody can see you, but you're meant to be a, a city standing proudly at the top of a hill. Not a lamp under a basket, but a lamp that is on a, a lampstand, lighting up the whole room, lighting up everywhere that you go. I know when I come over the, over the ranges over there, I've spoken three times today and I still don't know what the cord the hills over, uh, over north, and when you come over here on a, on, a, on, a, on a foggy, rainy day, it's always my favorite. I love driving back into Palme. One, because it just feels like home. You kind of, you know, you're driving in, and it's raining, and all the wind kind of comes at you, just like, ah, oh, this is the way that it's meant to be. The Garden of Eden, it wasn't sun and, and you know, and, and, and just the stillness in the air. It was rain, it was wind. It was, it was Palmerston North. It was like sitting in the square and all your hats are just flying to the other end of the, of the, of the square. That, that, that's, what, that's what paradise is about. Some, yeah, okay. <laughs> but I love when I come over those ranges. I love when I come over those hills. And I can just see the glow of Palmas North in the, in the, in the distance. You're going to just see this mighty, just, just big light. And it's kind of going all the way up into the sky. And I love that because I know even before I see the, see the buildings, before I see a person, before I see a street lamp, light, street lamp, light lamp, street light lamp, before I see a, a building, I've already said that one, before I see anything to do with Palmerston North on a physical scale, I see the effect of Palmerston North in the sky. And that is what the church is meant to be like. Before you even see somebody from church, before you even, before you even encounter somebody, that, 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 that knows Jesus, the effect that it has on the environment is meant to do something. And I would hope that when, just for the mere fact that you're where you are, the mere fact that you're in your workplace, the mere fact that you're in your university, 
People don't need to meet you. People don't need necessarily to come across you. But the mere fact that you are there should make the whole place light up in a way that it would not do if you weren't in the room. If we want to be a light, we need to be... Also, if you, if you want to be a light, we need to have something that is worth sharing. What do I mean by that? You don't, you don't wrap a diamond ring in a plastic bag. You don't put the engine of a Ferrari into the body of a Toyota Corolla. I'm sorry, if you own a Toyota Corolla, there is not a Ferrari engine that will be going into your car. You don't put $100 guitar strings on a $40 guitar. I did that, I did that by mistake once upon a time. And you hardly ever see a bride walk down the aisle with a dress that she picked up from the warehouse the day before. Why, why is that? Because anything of value is always worth being de- delivered in something that is excellent. You, if, if you've got something that is of value, who knows that you're going to deliver it. You're, going to, you, you, you're wanting to give that thing. You're wanting to show that thing in the best way possible. When we talk about excellence, and we're going to talk about it just for a few moments more, it, it isn't some standard that you have to reach or some, somebody that you have to, someone standing there with a ruler trying to measure you up and trying to make sure that you fit their standard of what perfection is meant to be. I'm not talking about a teacher's standard of perfection tonight. I'm not talking about your parents' standard of perfection. Maybe they told you that you had to be something, and if you weren't going to be something or if you weren't going to measure up to some way of life or uh, some position or career, then they, they weren't going to be proud of you. I'm not talking about an overbearing friend that has such high expectations on you as a person that you just feel like a failure every time you're around them. Nobody here, I'm sure. But this is what excellence is for me. It is doing the very best with what you've been given. That's what excellence is. Amen tonight? Anybody here? That's what excellence is for me. It is doing the very best with what you've been given. It is not about being perfect because who knows that every person here I mean, if you, if you had a mirror out, you'd see a person that is not perfect. Everywhere, you, everyone's like, wow. <laughs> it's, it's so true. I could write that one down. <laughs> if I had a mirror. <laughs> when, you, when you come, like everybody that you meet tonight, whether, whether they're a pastor or a leader or someone that's walked in for the first time, nobody is perfect. And we need to be okay with that. We need, we need to be okay with the fact that when we walk into this place, that we can be who we are. That we walk into a church, but when we walk into a church, we don't put our mask on. Instead, we take our mask off. We can be who we need to be. If you need to come and you need to just ball and worship, you do that. During, the, during, the, during worship afterwards, if you just need to get on your knees, you do that. Because nobody here is setting a standard of perfection for you to live by. And every person here that is here, the important thing for us to know is that the way that you live reflects the God that you serve. The way that you live your life, the way that you carry yourself through life, the way that you do what you do will always reflect the God that you serve. And why is it so important for us is because if we don't have a correct understanding of who God is, that would determine the way that we live our lives in, in response to who He is. When it comes to Daniel, he knew that God was a good God. He was going to take care of him. He was going to provide for him. And so what did that make him do? It made him be confident and sure in who God was. And so that allowed him to be bold in who he was. Philippians chapter 3 verse 12 says, I'm not saying that I have this all together, that I have it made, but I am well on my way reaching out for Christ who has so wondrously reached out for me. He's reaching out for us tonight. 
God is a good God and He cares for every single one of us. He, he, he wants the best for us and He wants us to live a life that is not ordinary. A life that is not just being, being set by the standard of the world or the standard of the people that you're around. But I believe for all of us tonight as we go into where we need to go into the world that we will carry a commitment for excellence. That we wouldn't just settle and, and just make by but we will do what we need to do in excellence. And why is that important? We live in a world that's experiencing the, the stigma of sin, the spiritual emptiness that can't be filled up or can't be, can't be satisfied by a bottle or a needle or by any relationship that you might have. There's a world that's crying out for something that is different. And for us, and for us at Life Church and us individually, I know for sure that if we want to present the greatest thing that is on offer, we need to do it in such a way that it is excellent all the time. That we will distinguish ourselves from everybody else. We'll distinguish ourselves from every, everything else that is going on to provide and to show the glory of God as it is meant to be. Oh, if I was to say to you, if I, if I was to say to you as a, as a person that was trying to sell something, I'd say to you today that we've got the greatest thing on offer in the world. Any salesman, if they knew about what God had to offer, I know for sure that they'll just be like, oh, that's easy. It's like a house that you just like, everybody wants to buy. It's easy to sell it. It's, it's easy to give it, give it away. It's, it's easy to, to, to make, it, make it available to everybody, and that's what we have. We've got the greatest thing. I'm not trying to belittle what Jesus Christ has on offer for each and every single one of us. I'm not trying to do that at all. But what I am saying is that we have the greatest product ever known to man to, available to you, and it's absolutely free. It's absolutely free to the world. I'm talking about the blood of the Lamb, the saving power of the cross, the seal of approval from heaven, the grace to do what you can't do on your own, the impartation of Holy Spirit, a love so real and a peace so immeasurable, a relationship like no other that nothing in the world could ever compare. We've got the greatest thing on offer in the world. Nothing else compare. Nothing, nothing, nothing. Not any shoes or cars or, or any joyride at all. We have Jesus Christ and He is free. You don't have to pay for it. You don't have to measure up to it. It is free and available to absolutely everybody. Absolutely everybody. But if He is worth, if there is worth that we attach to the greatest gift in the world, then it is worth expressing it and showing it to the world through excellence. By doing the very best that you have. What, is, what does that mean for all of us? Well, geez, I don't know. <laughs> no, what I do know is that what we do, when we, when we, we, we'll, we'll just do what we need to do to, 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 to reveal God as He truly is. Our God is a meticulous God. He, he knows everything. He knows all the details. He doesn't do anything by accident. He doesn't do anything by mistake. I mean, if you look at yourself, the way that you're knitted together in your, in, your, in, your, in your mother's womb, it wasn't just a mistake that brought you together. It was God's meticulous planning. It was God at work in your mother's room. No, mother's room. Not mother's room. I said that this morning. I didn't even realize. In your mother's womb, in your, in your mother's womb, you were brought together, knitted together meticulously. On, in, by intention. By purpose. There's so many examples of it that how God just did what he did. And he didn't just go by, get by. He, he, he did it well. He did it excellently. You think of the, the Ark of the Covenant in the, in the Old Testament. 
the, the, where the Spirit of God, the Prince of God, was carried by the, Israel, the people of Israel in the Old Testament. And it was done with excellence. They, they had a particular type of wood. They, 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 they measured up for it to be so long and so deep and so wide. It was to be covered in gold. And God said, this is the way that I want it to be because I don't want anything for, for, that I do to be done by accident. It is to be done well because God deserves it. Because God deserves it. When Jesus set up his church, he didn't just leave everything to chance. He sent Holy Spirit. And we're not here alone tonight. We're not here alone and, and, and Jesus has gone back to heaven and we're just kind of standing around. Holy Spirit is here. He's available to each and every single one of us. He sent us the best for each and every single one of us tonight. I mean, Sophie and I, I have been, uh, uh, we've been doing some renovations lately. And so she's been, um, a few months ago, she was planning out everything. And it was amazing to see all these little bits and bobs and you know, everything, all these kind of uh, like tiles and taps and uh, stuff and like these little things and these big things and all this sort of stuff. And it, it was just pages of stuff and all these links and everything that was going on. And she'd show me something and, and I'd look at it and I'd just be like, oh, that's fantastic. Oh, that looks amazing. And I didn't know what it was going to do or how it was going to fit with everything else, but I was just like, that's great. I really trust what you're doing. And I didn't really know what was going on, but then recently as I've been walking into the house and then looking around and seeing all the bits and how they fit together and the fact that this tile went here and that tile went there and that glass goes there and, and this tap goes here and it all fits together, I look at it I'm just like, that actually looks really good. And it's the same with God, but even more so. Before the beginning of time, he was planning meticulously what he was doing so that you could be where you are. He was planning. He was putting everything together. You're not a mistake. You're not here by accident. There's a calling and a purpose on every person's life. And if you believe that, it means that you need to agree with the fact that if God did it excellently with you, then we, are, we ought to do the same with the lives that we live too. God didn't, didn't do what he did by accident. It had precision and it had intention. God demonstrated time and time again that if he's going to do anything, if he's going to do anything, he's going to do it with excellence. Why? Because you are worth God doing it excellently for. And if us as a church are going to do anything, then it is, that it is worth doing with excellence. For the sake of God, but also for the sake of the people that come and make Life Church their home. For the sake of every person that walks in on a Sunday, the, for every person that walks into a life group, for, for every person that attends an event, for every person that you meet, it is worth doing with excellence if it is worth doing it all because people are worth doing it to the best of our abilities for. When everybody, whenever somebody walks into this church, I'd hope that they'll just have a sense of are these people like just going above and beyond what I would normally expect of them. And I'd love for this church to be known as a church, to be the city, on the, to, be, to be the light on top of the hill for people when they, when they hear about Life Church, when they hear about people that call Life Church home or anybody that knows Jesus personally, that they'll just know, oh, those are the people that will care for you, love to you, and go, love, for, love you and go all the way with whatever you need. That, that is what we're here to do. We're not, we're not here just to get by. We're here to make a difference. And Daniel was a man that lived out 
a clear commitment to excellence by committing wholeheartedly to God. And the first thing that he committed to because he was living a life of excellence was that when his personal devotion, his personal devotion was something that he did with excellence. And Daniel, uh, in, in Daniel, the book of Daniel 6 verse 10, it says, Now when Daniel, there's a lot of Daniels, now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, what did he do? He went home to his upstairs room with the windows open toward Jerusalem. Why is that important? Because there was just a decree put out over the entire nation. Hey, everybody, you are not allowed to pray anymore. And what was Daniel's response to that? Because he lived a life of such excellence, his first, he couldn't help himself because he, he, he was committed to excellence so much it meant that his personal devotion led him to respond with, okay, I'm not allowed to pray to God, so I'm going to pray to God. <laughs> that, 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 was the, that was what excellence drew him to do. And that's what excellence always draws you to do when you are living with a, in a life of excellence. It always brings you to a place of, if I'm going to give my best to God, then I'm going to receive from God personally. Daniel had received a different spirit, the scriptures say. He wasn't like everyone else, first and foremost, because what was within Daniel was a result of where Daniel put himself intensely in. Daniel was different outwardly because he put himself into the presence of God. And day by day, it says three times a day that Daniel put himself into the presence of God, just praying and praying. He didn't do it privately. He opened up. He opened up. He didn't really care what anybody thought of him. He didn't care if anybody saw that he was... Uh, uh, uploading onto Instagram the plan that he was doing on the Bible app. <laughs> he didn't care what anybody else had to say. He said that I'm going to do this with all my heart because I'm living a life that is committed to excellence and that means giving my absolute best to God. He had a different spirit because he was a man that devoted himself to the presence of God. And Hosea 6 verse 6 says, I want you to show love, not offer sacrifices. I want you to know me more than I want burnt offerings. Living a life of excellence, he, it doesn't mean that he wants you to do more stuff. He just wants to know you more. And it needs to come from that place because coming from a place of, of achieving perfection or achieving a sense of I need to measure up to something or I need to prove to God how much I, how I, I love him or I need to kind of work myself into God's approval, you know, kind of, zone, it doesn't work. It doesn't start from that place. It starts with having a personal devotion to him. Secondly, being committed to excellence meant that David was committed to having private character. He was committed to a private character. In verse 4, it says they tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel on, on grounds of him being corrupt in any way. They didn't like him at all. And guess what? There's probably going to be people in your life that you're going to love, you're going to care for, you're going to do anything for them. You're going to, you're going to slip them a Tim Tam, like, you know, during the morning tea. You're going to make them a little coffee, uh, you know, maybe, maybe a tea if you're that way inclined. Uh, you, you're, going to, you're going to pat them. No, don't pat them. Uh, <laughs> you're going to encourage them. You're going to speak the best of them, but they are just going to be people that just won't like you because they don't like you. And you've got to know that you don't need to prove yourself to everybody. You can love people, but it doesn't mean that you need to be besties with everybody. 
you, you, can, you can welcome people in, but it doesn't mean that you need to allow them to influence you. And there are going to be people that you need to be okay with the fact that you have a spirit that is different from everybody else because of your personal devotion to God while they are personally devoted to themselves. And so we love, but we don't love so that we can receive. We love just so that we can make sure that that person knows and it has been, uh, the, the, the love of God has been expressed to them in a personal way. We don't love so that we can get back from them. We don't, we don't give so that we can receive something back from somebody else. We don't do any of that because all we're doing is expressing the goodness of God. And so what happens? They tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel. I'm sure he was a good guy. I'm sure, I'm sure he shared his Tim Tams. I'm sure he shared all his stuff. I'm sure he was a great guy. But what, what, it's, what does it say next? When then they finally said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man. That they searched and they searched and they searched to find anything, anything at all that they could use against Daniel for the king. But they could not find anything at all. The amazing thing is that we've got to know for ourselves is that although nobody might, might not see what you do, God sees everything that you do. God is always watching. God is always there. God is always around you. So I want us to know is that we're not alone in what we do. We have God that is with us all the way. And we need to allow the Holy Spirit to be an active part in what we are doing and asking him day by day, am I meant to be going this way? Tell me, speak to me, lead me, Holy Spirit. And if it's not where I'm meant to go, tell me. Give me a feeling that is not right, that is not where I'm meant to go. So our private character can be expressed to the world, can be, can be shown so that we can be shown approved to the world. And David, after he stole Uriah's wife, and then in the, in, in the Old Testament, he stole Uriah's wife and then had him sent to the front lines of the battle, of, of the battle to be to be killed. He, he stole somebody's wife and then he sent her husband to die. This is an amazing thing. It's a terrible thing. But what was Daniel, David's response to that? In Psalm 51 verse 10 and 12 it says, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take, away, take your Holy Spirit away from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. So there were going to be times that you do what you ought not meant to do. There are times that you might not slip out. Please don't be somebody that steals somebody else's wife and then sends their husband to die on the front lines of the battle plan. That's a joke. Okay? You're obviously not going to do that. But what I'm saying is that God's grace is sufficient. And whatever has been or is happening right now, His grace is more than enough. His grace goes beyond comprehension for Him, for you to know that if you just submit yourself to Him, you commit your way to Him, you can, you can let all that be, you can let all that aside, you can let all that go, and God's grace will come and make you again white as snow. Amen? But our private character matters to God. It really does. Who we are, not just on the outside, but who we are within. Come on up, team. And thirdly, he committed himself to excellence in his public occupation. In his public occupation. And this matters too. This is so important for all of us, not to just to live a life of excellence when, excellence when every, everything is going well for us. Not just live excellently when we're at church on a Sunday, but to live it in such a way that we can show God who he is to everybody else in our world. In 1 Samuel 16, Saul 
the king saw he needed somebody to come and play him harp. And so who was there? Who was available to come and play harp for David? They didn't just choose anybody. They didn't just get anybody off the street. They asked and they looked and they searched for somebody who could play their harp skillfully for the king. It says, let our master now command your servants who are before you to seek out a man who is a skillful player on the harp. And it shall be that he will play it with his hand when the, the distressing spirit from God is upon you and you shall be well. I'm sure David, he'd be, he practiced his harp when he was with the sheep and he got skillful at it. I'm sure he didn't even know why. He was probably just playing it and playing it and playing it and getting better at it and learning how to do it and everything like that. But because he was excellent in what he did, it opened a door for him to go where nobody else was, go, was going to go to. Let me tell you that the way that you conduct yourself and the way that you live your life, the way that you develop your skills, it actually matters. It, it, it really does matter. If you're studying, do it with all that you have. If you're working, work with all that you have. The Bible says to work as if you're working for the Lord. Just to work and to, and to, and to show yourself in, a, in such a way that you're not just like everybody else, but you're skillful at what you do. And you watch as God opens doors for you to have a platform to you to, for you to go beyond where everybody else can. The fact that David just played skillfully and with a harp allowed him to be in the presence of the king of Israel. And Solomon, the queen of Sheba in 1 Kings chapter 10, it talks about how the queen of Sheba had heard of Solomon and his great wisdom. And so the queen went, came from far away and she brought all these gifts and she asked these questions and it was fantastic. But that was not the thing. The intention of her coming was not the thing that she was impressed by. When she arrived and she asked these questions, she was amazed at how Solomon was able to answer these questions. But what really amazed her wasn't the fact that he lived with such excellence. It was the fact that everybody in his household, everybody who was around, everybody that was part of the, of, of the kingdom was excellent too. He looked at the food, he looked at the guards, he looked at, or she looked at the guards, and she looked at everything that was, that was going on, all the people that were around. And the Bible says that she was astounded, that she was amazed at how excellent everything was to the point that she asked, who is this God that you serve? Because when you do what you do with, to the very best that you can, it shows people that I'm not just living from a place of bringing glory to me. I'm living my life to show you how good my God is. It matters what you do. It matters how you work. It matters what you carry into your workplace. And Mary, it matters what you, how you conduct yourself even in your, at university or in your school. When everybody else is talking down about other people, come on, as a person that is committed to excellence, we honor those people that are teaching us, our bosses. When we walk into a room, we don't just treat it like, as if everybody else, like everybody else treats it. We treat it with excellence. And it doesn't matter if it's ours or not. We make sure that when we walk in, that it is blessed, that it is amazing, that it is incredible, that, that, that we pick up the rubbish, that we, that we take a, a, a while just to clean our dishes even. The small stuff, the small stuff matters to God. The small stuff matters where you are when you make yourself somebody that is set apart and different to everybody else. Amen. Come out, we stand.
We're committed to excellence as a church, as people. Our personal devotion, our private character, our public occupation, it all matters to God when we give Him our best. Then we pray, God, we just pray. I just pray for every person here tonight. Lord, just thank you for every person, Lord, that, Lord, that is committed to you, Lord God. We just pray as we go about our weeks, Lord. As we go about and we live life, Lord, that we don't just, we don't just get by in life. That we don't, we don't just get by by the seat of our pants, but we would live a life of excellence to show you, to show the world how good you are. Lord, that we'll be a light on top of the hill. Lord, that would be a, a, the city on, on top of the hill and a light on a, on a lampstand, Lord God. We just pray, Lord God, as we, as we move forward as a church, as people come and make this place their home, Lord, that the people would know this is a place that is excellent, that is just done to the best of, the, of our ability, that nothing is always perfect, that it isn't always as it maybe ought to be, but we all individually and collectively play our part to make it as it should be. God, just thank you for these people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.